Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week, we focus on a person, historical event, or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. Do you want to do rock, paper, scissors to see who goes first? Welcome to the HIV podcast. She just put her finger up at me. This is getting really cutthroat. (laughs) Thank you for welcoming me and swearing at me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How's the week been? Have you got any news? No, but I have. I've forgotten to put it up on the uh, the wire. I have drawn another picture. I feel like that yeah. music from, um, do you remember, was it Heartbeat? When they did the gallery. Do, 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 do. That, that, we need to play that. Oh, well, this week, I haven't done us. I know um, someone suggested that. Charlotte. Charlotte, yes. So I haven't done us two yet. Instead, I have drawn her. Seriously. Now, I don't know what Charlotte looks like. So I have focused on the features that I think are prominent. Dungarees. We know she loves dungarees. And a massive smile. Because I think she is probably a very, very smiley person. She does have a big smile. Now, you've put the hair a bit longer. Now, Charlotte, the reason Sarah doesn't know what you look like is because we know that she's technologically challenged and I am the person that does all our social media. So I know what Charlotte looks like, but you do not. I think that's very pretty, Sarah. Well done. I'm sure Charlotte's going to appreciate it. A little heart because we love her. Yes, yes. Good work, Sarah. Good work. Um, There you go. I don't have any news either. What is the point? I know, right? So there's no wittering today. It's not Wittertown. We're not in wittering. We're not in West Wittering. <laughs> it tickled me so much. Can I just say that when uh, people make jokes, I love it when they laugh more than anybody else. It just makes my day. <laughs> They're the best kind of jokes. For you. But yeah, for me, that's the only kind. I think I laugh at my own jokes way more than I laugh at anyone else's jokes. 1st of July, Sarah. Summer is officially upon us. Is that when summer starts? I don't know. I just think it is. In my head. But you know what? I actually think we're missing a season. I think there should be, I was going to say four seasons. I think there should be five. Right. 
do you not think this? I think we're missing a season because I don't understand how we go from winter to spring. What do you mean? I just think it's, it's the same with like summer and autumn. I feel like there should be like another in betweeny one in there. I just think we're missing one. Anyone Any else? other podcast people out there that co-hosts episodes? Did, did you have this this level of conversation? What did Was you name you... nonsense? Probably not. So there should be five seasons, six yeah. seasons, six ideally, but I'd settle for five. So the the transition from like winter to spring is too quick for you it's just it's just odd there should be something else and summer to autumn it just seems bizarre to go it's almost like spring and autumn should be next to each other do you see what i'm saying yes no i do see what you're saying yes that that would make sense right so it just seems like you go from one really small thing to very extreme one this is so boring isn't it please don't have switched off anyone please stay with us i don't know what's happened to me no tomorrow Jess and I are meeting in the office and we're going to choose uh, which podcast episodes to submit for an award that we're applying for. We're not, we won't use this. It won't be this one. Well, maybe we should submit it and then maybe someone would take notice and we could actually get some new seasons added. And should we make a start? <laughs> this has been terrible. <laughs> what are we doing? Tell me about all things HIV, Sarah. This week we're looking at HIV and the transgender community. So we promised. If we technically promised, but we did say a few weeks back on our periods and menopause episode that we were acutely aware that a lot of the information sources we used talked about women. Yes. And in doing so, excluded those who have periods but don't identify as a woman and those who don't identify as either male or female. Absolutely. And this was something that we had talked about before the episode because we were concerned that we don't want people to feel marginalised, left out. This is an important topic that affects everyone, as we always say. So I'm glad we have circled back. Oh, me too. And I know around the world it might be different. I don't know. But here in the UK, um, we are progressing towards a world where gender identification is more fluid. I just don't think we're quite there yet. It's like, why are Um, people annoyed about using other people's chosen pronouns? Why does that annoy people? Like, it's just... It's just not oh. hard. And if you really are that upset about using someone's pronouns, just use their name. I think it's a lack of kind of education. I suppose so. It just seems courteous if someone says, oh, could you please, they're asking you, could you please call me this? Like, these are my pronouns. Could you please use these? Yeah, that's fine. It is taking time to change attitudes and understanding. But, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Understanding isn't going to change overnight. And I know there'll be members of the trans- transgender community who will feel frustrated or what I've just said, because in reality, none of this is new, is it? No. And they're right. It's taken a huge amount of work from their community to get us to this point. And having pulled together the research for this episode, and I think we're going to do another episode next week, I'm as frustrated as they must be. This is interesting because Sarah has sort of let me know vaguely what we're doing today, but she hasn't actually told me any of the content so that we could literally... I'm learning just like everyone else that's listening. So I am really fascinated because we do hear an awful lot in our industry um, that transgender people are much more vulnerable in terms of HIV contraction. And that's never really quantified. We never really talk about why. So I think that's some of what we're going to talk about, isn't it? Yes. And hopefully dispel some of the myths and some of the judgments that are very clearly still there. Well, I'm going to caveat this episode with a a bit of a warning. 
So whilst we've done everything we can during this episode to be respectful and use the correct language, we are still learning. And therefore, there is a possibility we might make a mistake or inadvertently offend someone. And that is obviously not our intention. Regular listeners of our podcast will know quite often I can barely string a sentence together. We are just doing our best. I mean, the bar's not set very high with us too. So there's always room for improvement. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I think that's important to say. would never be our intention and we work hard on, on being as inclusive as possible. Um, and we also like feedback, constructive feedback that we can share because, you know, we're all in this together. We're all learning together. So not rude messages telling us we're a couple of noddies. We already know that. Um, actually, to be fair, we don't get that much negative feedback, do we? If anyone wants to see a little bit of uh, feedback about Sarah and I on YouTube under our Gia video, someone has actually commented, oh, Gia, darling, you deserve better than these fools. I wasn't offended by that. I sort of enjoyed it. I was like, she's not wrong, is she? She's not wrong. But she's like we've said before, we're Marmite. Not everyone is going to like what we do and how we do it. And that's fine. You don't have to listen. That's the point, isn't it? I think people, yes, why well, listen every single week or interact every single week with yeah. us if you're not loving what we do? Just move on. Exactly. And we were really frustrated with, um, obviously, there's some fantastic podcasts out there around HIV, but we were frustrated around the fact that A, they weren't frequent enough and B, they can be very serious. We want it to be lighthearted. We want it to be funny. So, you know, if you don't want to hear us talking about West Wittering or how many seasons in a year there should be, it's just not for you. No, that's true. I'm glad negative feedback is kept to a minimum. Do you know the real reason we don't get much negative feedback is because I don't know how to message our social media platforms to complain about you. Can <laughs> you imagine? Just constantly getting these negative messages like, Sarah, someone keeps attacking my character. I don't know who it is. And you're just like, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, just bad, trolling though, you it? each week. Another rubbish week. Six seasons. What are you talking about? Okay, so let's look at how HIV is affecting the transgender community. There are some shocking statistics, I'm not going to lie. We're going to start with the BMJ, British Medical Journal. It says trans and non-binary people are key populations whose HIV prevention and treatment needs have been neglected. 2013 data from 39 studies conducted in 15 countries reported a global HIV prevalence among trans women of nearly 20%. Trans women estimated to be 49 times more likely than other adults to be living with HIV. That's huge. I know. And this is from 2013. We're going to talk later about the data and how up to date it is. Yeah. Additionally, mortality from HIV or AIDS among trans women in a large cohort study was just over 30 times that of age-matched population. And do we know why? Well, yes and no. Okay. There's an answer for you. Let's carry on and see if we can work out why. So data on HIV among trans and non-binary people in the UK are scant. This is what the BMJ is saying. This is important as HIV prevalence amongst trans people in the UK may differ from global estimates, given that we have lower rates of uh, undiagnosed HIV infection in the UK. Okay. We've got higher levels of viral suppression and we've got access to free healthcare. So prior to 2014, HIV surveillance systems in England use binary gender identity categories. Right. So that is going to skew the figures. Yeah, it just makes them invisible, doesn't it? Yeah. Moving forward to 2017, Public Health England, as they were then known, they're now the UK Security Health Agency, presented data from uh, the HIV and AIDS reporting system, or HARS. Everybody loves an acronym, don't they? Love an acronym. 
So they reported there were 199 trans adults accessing HIV care in 2016, which represented 0.3% of all the people accessing HIV care in England. Data revealed trans adults with HIV were twice as likely as other adults to be diagnosed late. It's not possible to determine accurately the HIV prevalence among trans women and men in the UK because there was no census data at the time on the overall number of persons who identify. So they couldn't, you, you don't know if 199 people is low or high, do you? Because if there are only 200 people who identify as trans in the UK and 199 of them are positive, then that's massively high. So already I think we're starting to see not much data. I mean, like you said, scant indeed. Yes. Now we have got other sources and we use sources here that we would regularly use for statistics for any kind of population or community within the HIV sector. So we're going to look at AIDS map, which is another great resource. We use them all the time. And they analyse some public health statistics. They said there is a dearth of data on transgender and non-binary people receiving HIV care in the UK. Uh, although they said Public Health England is beginning to address this. Okay, but that's they, good news. That's good if, if Public Health England are, you know, yeah. that's moving forward. They're recognising this. Mm. So AIDS map said from the stats from Public Health that there were 123 trans people who were recorded as accessing HIV care in England in 2017. But remember the BMJ reported the previous year that there were 199 trans adults so where have they gone? How have they got two such different figures? Yeah, um, yeah. how have they? I don't know. Okay, so we can already start to see, I'm picking this, that there are huge discrepancies among the data. So how could we truly get an accurate picture? Absolutely, yeah. You just don't know what, what you're dealing with. You've got no starting point. Yeah. So of the 123 trans people, 88% identified as female, 8% identified as male, 4% were gender diverse, 56% lived in London, um, a pretty equal split amongst age groups. The biggest age group was aged 35 to 49. And in terms of ethnicity, 62% white, 38% BAME. I mean, they're very basic statistics. I can't even say it. Very basic statistics, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, so basic. And public health has now changed their method of recording gender. So it used to be, you know, male or female. Now they have two questions and actually because it was only male or female that could explain the limited stats that were available or the no number of people mm. because what do you do if you don't identify with either of those genders yeah so now they say the first question is how do you identify your gender and the second is is this the same gender you were assigned at birth that's the easiest way isn't it to say some things because we are afabs aren't we sarah so we are assigned female at birth oh i did not know there was an acronym for that yes yeah yeah so so we'd be an afab goodness and then what's so a and there's a, an amab assigned male at yeah yeah assigned male at birth amab and afab oh cool yeah so and like we're saying because that's literally they are two questions that i think are this is that's the information that they need we're asking what you're assigned at birth and we're asking how you identify perfect I'm glad we've moved on. I mean, thank goodness. Oh, I know. Absolutely. 
Now, if anyone is interested in how public health collect their data, they use this system called HARS, and it's data that's collected on each attendance at the clinic, at the sexual health clinics. So the clinics collect the data and then they send it into public health. Right. The data in 2017 shows that within the transgender community living with HIV, late diagnosis, adhering to HIV treatment and having an undetectable viral load were very similar to the wider population of people living with HIV. Okay. So that's good. Yeah. However, the number under active psychiatric care was way higher. So 16% versus 4% for the total HIV population, which is concerning. But what's more concerning is that figure could actually be much higher. So if you think about our HIV community testing project and how people view their identity or their sexuality, it does sometimes differ from what we're expecting which I know that makes me sound very judgy. It's not meant to. But you know, sometimes, you know, if you're doing like the pre-test chat and we're trying to ascertain risk, it's yeah. much more challenging, isn't it, to navigate if the person you're testing is, I don't know, married, for example, but sleeping with men. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it's, you know, like we said earlier in this, it's up to people how they wish to identify. It's not up to us to challenge that. I think it just shows that it's it's... Perhaps not as black and white as people think. I've heard this before from people when it's like, well, you're either a man or a woman, aren't you? And it's like, no, 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 no. That's no. that's not how we should be viewing this. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, I don't want to say there needs to be training around this, but I just think we all need to be more aware yeah. of how we handle the information that we're told mm. and, and what we do kind of with that information. So, because I think it's only natural to assume one thing and then go, oh, they're not, they're not presenting as that. So how can I ascertain their risk? Because it's not as it seems. Yeah. We need to get better yes. at that side of things. There were probably professionals listening to this going, uh, we've got this all sewn up and you're way behind, but yeah, we're trying. We're doing our best. Right. Let's move on. A survey completed by Positive Voices. It was completed by 4,424 people attending HIV services in England and Wales, and it showed different results to public health data. So member public health said 0.14% of people accessing HIV care were transgender. Yeah. Positive Voices survey was completed by 39 people who identified as trans or non-binary, which is 0.88% of the total number completing the survey. So did the Positive Voices survey somehow seek out more transgender people or were gender identities being misreported by clinicians on HARS? the HIV reporting oh of course okay yes I'm seeing what you're saying that's that's easily how a mistake could have been made there yeah and we're not kind of throwing shade at clinicians here at all you can only report on what you're told yeah and we know that people aren't always honest with the sexual health clinic they're not always honest with us when we test them uh, but it could account for the discrepancies yeah absolutely the latest statistics in relation to transgender and non-binary people uh, were released in 2022 by Public Health. They said there were 170 trans and non-binary people who are living with HIV. Less than five new diagnoses amongst this group in both 2020 and 2021. I mean, people might not be accessing care. Well, I think well, COVID was here, wasn't it? So that would explain the reduction in new diagnoses. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, and that was across the board. The number of diagnoses were much, much lower. All right. iBase were our source here because they analysed the 2022 public health stats. Uh, they also noted that PEP and PREP data sets 
combine trans men with men and trans women with women. Right. And that separate data needs to be developed so they can fund services. So although in some areas we are now categorizing people as they identify, when it comes to PEP and PrEP, we're not. Okay. So it, yeah, we're just, um, there, there are no, it's just men or women, whether you're a trans man or trans woman, we're all just grouping everyone in together. So there won't be data around that, which actually would be really useful if we had more specific data, especially around PrEP and PEP. Definitely. Because if you have a higher number of trans men or trans women accessing PrEP, that's going to help you form a strategy for how to tackle it, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, the stats around PEP and PrEP are misleading. One of the stats they looked at was the percentage of clinic population defined as being in need or able to benefit from PrEP. 64.5% of gay, bisexual men who have sex with men versus 1.4% of heterosexual men versus 0.5% of women. That's how they break it down. And it's right. like, not really useful, is it? No, no, not at all. And especially because obviously we want more and more people to know about PrEP and to use it. So it's always better the more data you can have. Yeah. And if you are accessing PrEP, for example, or you want to access PrEP or PEP and you don't categorise yourself in one of those groups, I wonder how you're recorded. Or do they just record it on what the person you're speaking to assumes your gender identity is? Perhaps. We don't know. I don't know. I just feel there are lots of people that aren't either aren't being recorded or aren't being recorded correctly because there isn't the box on the form that suits them or fits them so where do they what do they do yeah because there's not an there's not you know male female and even other is there it's just male or female so i mean that is very interesting you know i mean i think the bottom line that i got when we started looking into this research, is how hard it is to ascertain how many people in the UK are from the transgender community, how many of those people are HIV positive. And because we don't have that basic information that we have for other groups within the HIV sector, they clearly face greater challenges and greater health inequalities. We are just not catering for their needs because we don't know what those needs are because we don't know who they are. That's very true. Like you're saying, we're still learning, aren't we? That's blown my mind a bit. You're right. How can we, how can services be there if we have no idea what people's needs are? It's kind of the basic starting point, isn't it? So anyway, next week, we're going to be looking at what those challenges are that the transgender community face and why they are at higher risk of contracting HIV. Okay. Back up our case that we've just proved that we need far more services developed for this group of people. Yeah. I feel like, will there still, will there be lots of stats next week? My head is full of numbers. Oh, I know. You don't do well on numbers, do you? My mind just hears, I hear it and I'm like, concentrate, concentrate. And then they <laughs> turn it to like, poof, in my head and I'm like, what? That's honestly what happens with numbers. Oh, there are more stats. Yes. Okay. But what you need to take away from today is that I've given you several sources with the different number of transgender people affected by HIV. Yeah, but they have taken steps to um, identify people correctly at the sexual health clinic by asking different questions. Uh, and then when it comes to looking at other areas like PEP and PrEP, not a clue. Maybe we do now, but I couldn't find the information to show that we record people according to their identity wishes rather than what we think they should be. 
you know, we do need to make more changes. We do need to be more inclusive. I think this is a really interesting topic and I'm glad we've come back to it because I think, I don't know, hopefully there will be more more research as we move forward, like you're saying, people are starting to pick up on this and notice that there are massive health inequalities here that we need to look at. I mean, so myself and a colleague were looking into services for trans people, especially around sexual assault. And, you know, there was a whole part around anyone that either doesn't identify as male or female or identifies as either a trans man or woman. And uh, what they were saying was, you can educate us. So you can guide us. We were a bit shocked because if you've been a you know, victim of a sexual assault, I'm sure what you actually don't want to do is have to go in and educate a staff member before you've even accessed support. A bit of a burden of responsibility, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. Is that what we're doing? Are we putting sort of the burden of responsibility on people who we're like, well, well if you don't fit into these boxes, then oh, you're really going to need to be the one to educate us. It's extra work that people shouldn't have to do. Yeah, no, I do agree with you. But the more we can know and learn, the more well-equipped all of us will be. So we're not putting this burden on anyone else. No, and no, nobody should feel, you know, like that, should they? I just think so much work has been done to ensure that minority groups within the HIV sector are treated equally and their needs are catered for. But we have very much left the transgender community behind. And we are good as a sector, I think, adapting and listening to people's needs and identifying new ways of support. So I don't know why this community hasn't been included as much as it could be, but that's one of the reasons why I was so frustrated. Well, I'm excited. Well, excited is the wrong word. I'm looking forward to... <laughs> I'm so excited to hear what health inequalities they face. I'm so excited. It's the hype. No. But I do want to know. I do want to know why. So I think I'm glad we've broken it into two episodes. Yes. No, I'm glad too. And yes, I mean, it's useful for us as an organisation. Yeah. Hopefully it's interesting for other people to listen to, but for us so that we know where we can identify our own gaps within our service and how we're going to change them to accommodate everybody. Absolutely. I'm going to find a better way to let you have numbers. Maybe if I write them down for you. Maybe if you equate them in terms of like crisps, it's like if you had a hundred crisps and then someone hid a hundred crisps, that's like, you know, all the people that are undiagnosed and then the crisps that you have are like, the, do you know what I mean? Maybe if you did it. Like, oh, visual representation. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't hold the numbers in my head. Okay. Right. So I need to get a big packet of crisps. <laughs> Count them out. So here we've got a thousand crisps Jess just like <laughs> like you'll be drowning in like a mountain of of like walkers just your little <laughs> eyes over the top of them oh my god and I'd never be able to evidence whatever I'm saying against the general population because I'd have what 60 million crisps it'd yeah, be ridiculous exactly. you'd hear Gracie just like meow, just like hidden like rustling around below all the crisps under a pile of crisps yeah god love yeah, her. yeah. Well, no, I'll uh, I'll try and retain the numbers. But yeah, look, that was really interesting. I'm glad we came back to it. And we've actually moved some other episodes around to include this. I've actually got pins and needles in my foot now. Oh, no. I can't feel my foot. Really? You know when you punch your own foot and you're like, I can't feel it. Oh, have you ever had that when you've been lying in bed and you wake up and your arm's dead and then it smacks you in the face? Or is that just me? No, I've never had that. Me once. I literally thought I'd been assaulted. And then I was like, oh, it's up. 
my armstead because I've been lying on it. And uh, yeah. That's amazing. You assaulted yourself. I did. Nothing worse than being woken up in the middle of the night, smacking yourself in the face. Did you look at Fraser like he had done it and then (laughs) realised it was, oh, that's that's my own arm. Nobody did that but me. No, Jesse was too far away from me. Remember, personal Of course, in the other room, in his bedroom, the dungeon. (laughs) That's where he was. And then he was like, you okay? And you were like, back in the dungeon. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, okay. Fabulous. Well, I look forward to next week. Yeah, we've had to sort of push quite a lot of other episodes to um, fit this in, but I'm glad we did. Priorities. Yes, always. Thanks for listening to the HIV podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the HIV podcast for behind the scenes insights and video. The HIV podcast is produced by Thames Valley Positive Support. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.